Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Scott Love. He's the author of Why They Follow, How to Lead with Positive Influence. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Taryn. What motivated you to write this book, Why I, They Follow? It's a unique concept. Yeah, I'd, I'd studied a lot of leadership when I was on active duty in the Navy. I was a leadership trainer at the world's largest naval base. Wow. For the last 20 years, I've been doing high-stakes headhunting. So I've had a lot of conversations with professionals trying to recruit them. And I've seen that people will turn down better opportunities that pay more just because of the relationship with the boss one level up. Really? And it's that personal loyalty to the boss one level up. So if a company wants to increase their retention, they have to focus on building that loyalty. How do they do that? Is get managers to lead in a way that nobody's going to leave them. So it's a simple concept. So the book, it speaks to the topic of leadership in a simple way. If you want to be a better leader, find out why do they follow and lead to that. So what's the answer? Why do they follow? Leadership is very personal. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. uh, here's an example. When I got out of the Naval Academy, I graduated as an officer in the Navy. I go to a ship. And you have sailors on the ship, and every sailor hates two things. They hate officers, and they hate the Navy. <laughs> so you've got to lead not based on your authority, but on your personal leadership. Right. And I notice that they make observations. They look at how an officer behaves, how an officer treats his subordinate employees, how they treat everybody else. And they make a judgment. What sort of response am I going to give to you? How hard am I going to work for you? So if a manager wants to get more performance, they focus on that personal leadership. So you'd say that's the key? It is. Okay. So... You mentioned, I mean, people turn down higher paying jobs. Mm -hmm. So sort of that human connection supersedes the financial gain? It is. And I think it's because when people come to work every day, they come to work for themselves, not for the boss. And there's a reason why they come to work. And I think for most people, they come to work truly to achieve significance. If we look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've got our self-actualization. Sure. We have our recognition, the two highest motivators. Those are the things that motivate employees every day when they come to work. I love that. I was on the debate team in high school, and I used to oh, talk, about, yeah, used to talk yeah. about that hierarchy all the time. I mean, there, there are, though, Scott, so many books out there yeah. on leadership. How would you say yours is different? I give people not necessarily a formulaic model that, that they can follow, but through the stories that I tell, I teach them that if you follow these certain rules and these certain concepts, people are going to choose to give you a higher response. Than, than if you study it in different sort of ways. So it's almost like we're using, I always call it game theory, find out why you're going to get better results and go straight to that. You know, if I want to get better results from an employee, I'm going to find out what motivates them and lead in these certain ways, and that's going to get me the response that I'm looking for. Okay, so tell us a few of those concepts without uh, giving it all away, but just uh, a little taste of what absolutely. to expect in the book. Uh, so here's an example. Several years ago, my son's great-grandfather was dying in a hospice home. The whole family was there, and after he passed, I went outside uh, just to take a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And there was a Montessori school right next door. And the children that were outside... They were screaming and yelling and playing and laughing. And my first instinct was, how dare the teachers let the children be that loud? Don't they know that there are people grieving over here? And then I looked around and I saw that all the guests that could move, they were outside listening to the children. And they were all watching the children playing and listening. And either through, uh, through bad zoning or divine intervention, there was this symbiotic, synergistic relationship of healing right. between one facility and another. And they didn't even know that. 
And the way a manager leads, that person is affecting other people in a way that they might not even realize that, that the decisions the way a manager leads, uh, that careless remark, the rolling of the eyes, the inattention that they give to an employee when they're talking to them, the fact that they might talk bad about another employee in front of someone, uh, those are the things that managers need to be careful of so that people will choose to give them a higher response level in, in how they follow. You write from a very personal level. Mm -hmm. Why do that? I think that's a, the best way. It's a vulnerable position. It is, and leadership is vulnerable. Every manager is living in a glass house. Everything that they do is being observed. And at, at its core sense, it is a personal character development concept that uh, because it is so personal, that's how I write. Because what we're talking about is how can we get a manager to change in the character level, on the soul level? How can we get them to change so we're going to get better response from employees? Right. So I want to talk a little bit more about that, just take a step backwards. Mm -hmm. Who is this book for? Why they follow? I was curious, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, hmm, is this for managers? Is this for any employee at any level? Who is this directed at? It's for people who are in a management role or role of leadership. If somebody's involved in a nonprofit or a charity, this is something that can help them also. And in fact, that's actually harder to lead mm -hmm. because people can quit nonprofits at any time. Uh, when you have employees, well, they're going to stick around, they're going to tough it up, they're going to put up with more because they're getting a paycheck, but they're not going to give their heart and their soul. They're not going to have that loyalty. So the book is written to anybody that is in a supervisory relationship, whether it's a large team or a small team, that wants to get more performance from that team. So what does it mean to be followable? If you're my boss and I'm looking at you for direction, I'm looking at you to help me get what I want mm -hmm. as an employee and to do the job, and I come to work every day for myself, if you're not the kind of person that I can respect, if you're not the kind of person that I can follow, then I'm going to give you the minimum. I'm going to give you the minimum, but I'm not going to go beyond that. Mm. If you're followable, well, I'm going to give you, it's like I call it a, a sliding scale, a response ratio. Right. That was my next question. What yeah. is the sliding scale? It's on a scale of 1 to 10. I'm an employee. If I don't respect you, I'm going to give you the minimum. I'm going to give you a 1, maybe a 2. But if I respect you, if I trust you, if I know that I'm safe, if I know that my needs are being met as an employee, if I feel like I have significance, if I feel like I belong, I have recognition, I have a sense of purpose, I'm going to give you a 10. I'm going to go out of my way to help you get what you want as a manager. So what's the most effective tool a manager can, can use, can take away from the book? I think it's to tell To create that, to get that yeah, you yeah. Know, 10 on the scale. I think it's to tell people why. Mm -hmm. uh, tell them why their work matters. Feedback. Would, yeah, that's right. I think feedback, but not just that. Even telling them, this is what our mission is, and this is how your work makes a difference. I, I met with a client once, and as I'm leaving, the receptionist said my name. Thanks for coming by, Mr. Love. When I came up there, you know, that she had my name on the sign, Welcome Scott Love. She asked me if I wanted anything. And I thought, you know, this is the receptionist of a company. This is the first impression sure. that I have of that company. This is the final memory maker. So whoever hired that person either did a good job in hiring someone that really cares or they told her, this is why your work matters. You know, in the organization chart, you're at the bottom, but you're the one that gives people the first impression of our company, and you're the last memory that they have of organization when they leave. In today's day and age, managers are not doing that? They're not, they're they not communicating with employees? When you look at leadership, we can always get better. It's simple concepts that we're too busy we sometimes forget. I think to answer your question from before, tell people why their work, ma tell people why their work matters. Right. You know, what is it that you do that makes a difference for the whole team? So it's just sort of t telling them they mean something. Absolutely saying, hey, right. I notice what you're doing. You're yeah. doing a great job. It's just sort of giving them the time and the acknowledgement. And I think kind of along that point, going out of your way to praise them in public, to say, yeah. I want to tell you, you're doing a great job. So would you say the biggest mistake 
managers or making or anyone in, in a managerial role is making is just that lack of communication, just I, that lack of acknowledgement, praise, however you might call it? I, I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I think it's just the normal busyness that we get caught up in. Mm -hmm. We forget those things. So I think it's just not having the thoughtfulness. Uh, I think we're all selfish. At some core level, we get caught up on our own world and we have to remember that it's not about us, especially in a leadership role. You know, leadership, you know, the concept that I've heard and always been taught at servanthood, you know, taking care of your people. It's not about you, it's not about the boss. It's about accomplishing the mission by harnessing and guiding the intrinsic motivations of those employees in the accomplishment of that collective goal. That's what it truly is. That's what servant leadership is? Absolutely right. It's putting the, just say it again, it's like the, the needs of the company ahead of yours? Here's or an example. Yours? I, yeah. I interviewed General Walt Boomer, who was a retired four-star Marine officer. He was a former CEO of Rogers Corporation up in Connecticut. And I asked him this question. I said, Walt, when I was at Annapolis, we heard every day, take care of your people. But here you are, out in the working world, you've got to accomplish the mission. I said, what's more important, accomplishing the mission or taking care of your people? That's a tough question to ask That's a Marine. That's a hard distinction, yeah. It's all about accomplishing the mission. This is what he said. He said, let me think about that. And he said, it's taking care of your people. As long as you have the right people in place, they'll accomplish the mission. That's right, right. It's like the chicken or the egg, which came first. Right. Okay. You mentioned your, your naval experience, but you, know, you say you've never worked for a large publicly mm -hmm. held corporation. You've never worked for a large company but you feel so qualified to write about the subject matter based on your experience. And that's because for over two decades, I've been a high stakes headhunter. I recruit partners for international law firms in Washington and New York. I've worked in other industries. I've probably had 50, 60,000 conversations with managers asking them, why would you stay with your company? I've got a better opportunity here. Uh -huh. And it, they always tell me the same thing. I love it here. I love the team. I love my it's boss. The people. It absolutely is. And I think it's not just that. I think it's you know, Abraham Maslow. It's the two top levels, self-actualization and recognition and also the affiliation. I'm recognized for what I do. I have a team of people that care about me and I care about them, and I'm fulfilled in my work. It seems like such a basic concept, Scott, but managers just aren't implementing it enough, it sounds like. I think it's our human nature. You know, we all know that Facebook distracts us, you know, gotta put the phone down when you're at the table, but we right. still do it, you know, it's just human nature. Right. And so I think that's why it's important to hear that lesson over and over again, just in different voices. You mentioned how you speak at conferences and you talk about the first cardinal rule of human mm -hmm. behavior and why it's so important. Tell us about that. The first cardinal rule of human behavior is, is what I call is this, it's that people only do what's in their own best interest. When people come to work every day, like I mentioned, they come to work for themselves. Uh, when I was a 24-year-old management consultant, I was on active duty, I finished my CDD tour, I'm, I'm teaching Deming management methods at the world's largest naval base. I was, I was 24 and it was a great experience because I would go around to different commands and consult to them. This is when the Navy had an initiative called Total Quality Leadership, which was derived from total quality management at that time. And it gave me a chance to really get in the minds of people that were in government service, military or civilians. And I found that people come to work in the, in the government, they come to work every day, the harder they work, the better performance they have, the more their pay stays the same. There's not a financial incentive. So why is it that people will wanna give their heart and their soul? It's because of that personal significance. It's the feelings, it's the emotional charge that they have where their skills and their work is contributing to a worthy goal. And the manager, that can understand this is the one that's going to keep employees, even though someone's going to call them about a better opportunity, that can say, this is what our organization is all about. This is our core value system. This is our vision. This is our purpose. And this is why your work matters. You have significance to our organization. 
That's the manager that people are going to follow. So in your book, would you say, is this a process if you know, someone out there is listening who is a manager but isn't necessarily a leader? Mm -hmm. How long does this process take? And can every manager become a leader? I, I think so. And I always say that true change can occur just like that, a decision. Mm. From this point on, I'm no longer going to do this. You make a decision, that's how long it can take. Um, I think every manager that is in a role of leadership can always get better with that. I don't think there's any end. You know, when do you become perfect? You know, it's, it's always a process. Just like, you know, why if you stop going to the gym, everything you've worked for, it's, it's not going to stay there. You've got to always keep renewing and keep inputting data in your mind. So I always like to ask, you know, you have so much personal experience with, with the recruiting and talking to managers. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? And obviously you're, you're talking about it in the book, but if there's a, sort of that one aha situation. That it's not about me. It's mm -hmm. about the team, and it's about the goal, and it's about the sailors. It's about the people that are doing the work. Uh, one of the things I was able to learn was when I talked about telling people why. Uh, for example, I was in charge of the ship's sonar, which is always down. Petty Officer Schaefer, he was our sonar technician. He'd spend every weekend trying to get the sonar fixed. I had to get him to spend one more weekend because we're doing our sea trials the next Monday. He wanted to go home and see his family, and I could have used my authority. I could have said, you need to spend one more weekend here and get that running because I'm the officer and you're the sailor. But I said, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. The Iraqis have invaded Kuwait. Right now, this is the most important ship in the fleet. We can't get underway unless the sonar is up and working. Right now, you're the most important sailor in the United States Navy. I need you to spend one more week and get it done. Wow. And so I can attach our goal as an organization and speak to him at a, on a very personal level right. and show him how your significance can help us. That's a terrific anecdote, but I just love, you know, it just, lends itself to this idea there's so many personal stories in the book and um, you know you're speaking from first-hand experience so it's nice to sort of go back to the roots of it all so congratulations right. on your second Thank you. book thanks and if you'd like more information on the book all you have to do is go to our website it's csweetbookclub.com c-sweetbookclub.com i'm taryn winterbrill we'll see you next time right here on bestseller tv like what you just heard visit c-sweetradio.com c-sweet radio turning the volume up on business this podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.